Well, it's good to see uh, everyone this morning. I see a few families here that I've not gotten to see yet the last couple of months, and so it's, it's, it's good to see you especially and, and just to be together. Um, literally, one thing I prayed this past week was, um, and, and I even said, I know, Lord, that this is, this is probably not possible right now, but, and, and it wasn't this week, but we're close. Prayed that we would, we'd have a Sunday where every single member was here, and, and I'm just pr- praying for that because it's just such a joy to be together, and it's been so long since we've all been together. It's just encouraging to see how many of our families can be together this morning. Well, there is um, obviously in the news these days a lot to grieve and lament and pray about, but there was a small bit, very small bit of good news this week. At least that is if you are a fan of the NBA, like I am. That good news is that the NBA is returning to finish their season and have the playoffs and crown a champion. And and this particular season was very exciting because for the first time in maybe a decade, there was no clear-cut favorite in the NBA playoffs. You know, before this year, we had grown accustomed to uh, the reality of the super team era. Uh, essentially, if you don't know what I'm talking about, 10 years ago or so, the, the best players in the league said, instead of trying to beat each other, let's just all get on the same team and beat everybody else. And that's kind of what the NBA has been for the last 10 years, is all the best players on one team beating everybody else. But this year, that was not the case, and so it was exciting. Who's going to win the championship? But, you know, early on in that super team era, these super teams discovered something. They discovered that it takes more than the accumulation of talent to win a championship. They discovered that you can have a lot of talent, but you need more than gifted athletes to win. You you need to know how to play together as a team. You need to have a shared vision for how to approach the game and what you're trying to accomplish and how you're going to do that. You need both talent and teamwork. Well, we're in Ephesians 4. Last week we were in Ephesians 4, 7 through 10, and we saw last week that every single member of Christ's church, every single believer, has been given a spiritual gift. If you are in Christ, you have been given a spiritual gift. Each of us has received a unique empowerment of the Holy Spirit from Jesus Christ. And we saw last week the significance of these gifts, that, that Christ giving these gifts was the culminating act of his ascension into heaven. He, he descended from heaven to earth. He became fully man. He died on the cross. He was buried in the grave. And then he who descended also ascended. He was victorious over sin and death and Satan. He ascended above all things to the Father's right hand in order to fill all things. And from that exalted, glorious, ascended position, what did Jesus do? He gave you a gift. He gave you a spiritual gift. And he did this so that we could live out our calling as his body in the world. He's called us to be his body, his fullness in the world, and he's given us gifts to do that. So the local church, Redeemer Church, for example, we are comprised of people who have been uniquely empowered by the Holy Spirit with the diversity of gifts in order to live out our identity as the body of Christ. So we saw last week. But just like it takes more than the accumulation of talent for a team to win a championship, So it also takes more than a hodgepodge of people with spiritual gifts to represent Christ. Just put a bunch of people with gifts from the Spirit in a room does not make a body. What we need is a shared vision for ministry. What we need is to know how to work together. We need to know how to operate as one body. And this is what Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 is about. 
Now today is not technically what we would call at Redeemer a Vision Sunday. We do those uh, at the beginning of every year, but this might as well be a Vision Sunday because this passage gives us Christ's vision for ministry for the local church. That, that, that's what he, he does in this passage. He gives us the vision for what the ministry of a local church should look like. It, uh, it tells us how we can have a healthy, unified, effective ministry as his body. You know, if you go into a hundred different churches today, and you ask, what is the ministry of the church? You might get a hundred different answers. There's a lot of confusion about what a church's ministry is about. But Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, gives us the definitive answer to this question. What is the ministry of the church? And so let's look at this passage, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Let's read this, and then we'll see Christ's vision for the ministry of a local church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In these verses, we see Christ's vision for the ministry of a local church. And there are three things about this vision that we need to see this morning. We see the center of ministry the goal of ministry, and the work of ministry. The center of ministry, the goal of ministry, and the work of ministry. So let's look at this passage and see these three things. First, the center of ministry. When I say the center of ministry, uh, I, I don't necessarily mean um, the, 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 the focus in the sense that we, we are a gospel center. That's, that's the center of who we are. We are centered on the gospel. But I mean more practically, what is the center of our ministry? In, in other words, what is... What is the thing we do that if you took that away, everything else would fall apart? What do we do that is the keystone for every other aspect of ministry in the church? What is the center of our ministry supposed to be? And the answer to that question is the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. The center of a church's ministry must be the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Now let's look at the text and see where this is coming from. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So again, we're, we're kind of jumping in halfway in Paul's thought here from last week to this week. Where, so let's just remember what Paul said. Again, he ascended into heaven. He gave gifts of grace, spiritual gifts to the church. And now he begins to describe a particular type of gift that Christ has given. He's given gifts, and he says, and he gave, and what he says is somewhat surprising to us. He says that Christ has given not just ministries to the church, but ministers. He's given people to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Paul focuses on Christ's gift of spiritual leaders to the local church. This is the gift that he focuses in on, spiritual leaders, teachers. Who are these leaders? Apostles. Apostles are commissioned eyewitnesses of the risen Christ. The 11 disciples and the apostle Paul, uh, th these were the apostles that Christ 
commission. These were eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ that he commissioned to found the church. And the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles had authority of Christ in the local church. And then prophets. Prophets, we see in the New Testament, were, were just like Old Testament prophets. They were men who could uh, say, thus says the Lord. In, in the New Testament, we see uh, prophets who, who would, would say, God has shown me this. God has revealed this to me. This is the will of God. And, and they spoke prophetically to the church. Now, we read this earlier in Ephesians 2.20, but... If you look, turn back a few pages to Ephesians 2.20. He's talking about the church, and Paul says in 2.20 that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So at the time of writing, the apostles and prophets were still there. Paul's an apostle. The prophets and apostles were still functioning. But he says that the apostles and prophets are the foundation. Christ is the cornerstone. The gospel is the very cornerstone. The apostles and prophets are the foundation. But what does that imply? It means that the, the foundation, once it's laid, then, then the apostles and prophets don't continue. And the foundation has been laid. The foundation has been laid in the New Testament. As the New Testament was written, the apostles' teaching and, and the, 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 the foundation of the church was laid so that the, the offices of apostle and prophet no longer continue today. But that doesn't mean they're insignificant because the New Testament itself is what the foundation that they laid was. We, we, we have that foundation now in our hands. And so the New Testament is the foundation that we have. And, and, and just, just all that to say, if you see someone say, you know, come here, apostle so-and-so, might want to be a little wary of that because the apostles no longer function, okay? But we do have the foundation in the New Testament, apostles and prophets. And then he says evangelists. Now this category of, of leader is debated now as to whether the evangelists continue or not today. Um, we know that Philip was an evangelist in the book of Acts. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. But that's about all we know about evangelists in the New Testament. It seems clear that they were, they were men who were gifted to evangelize, gifted to spread the gospel. Uh, but it's not clear if the office of evangelist continued in any way. What, what we can say is, is that we know there are people that are gifted in evangelism. People that God has especially gifted to, to share the gospel with others. And, and we can even say to the point that we know that sometimes we see that gifting and that passion in such a way that we actually affirm, you are called to this. You're called to be a missionary. You're called to be a, a, a minister. We, we support you to go into the community, into the world, and share the gospel. So that, that's probably the way that, that this comes down to us today, is, is, is men who we, and women who we support to go and, and in a full-time sense, share the gospel. But God's given the evangelists uh, um, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and then finally he says the shepherds and teachers. The shepherds and teachers. And, and this phrase, shepherds and teachers, really could be translated as one phrase. Shepherd teachers, pastors, is essentially what he's getting at. Not two different categories, not the shepherds and the teachers, but, but men who shepherd as they teach. This is another way to refer to elders or overseers. Men who are called to shepherd the church of God in local assemblies like this one through the teaching of the word. So these are the gifts Christ has given to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherd teachers. And all these offices have one thing in common. They're all proclaimers of the word of God. Every one of these offices, the, the central feature of it is to say the word of the Lord, to speak the word of God, to speak the scriptures. And these are Christ's gift to the church. Christ has given to the church men who will speak the scriptures, men who will teach the word of God. Why? Why has Christ done this? Look at verse 12. To equip 
the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You know, going to Bible school and seminary, people often would, would say, are, are you going into the ministry? No, I might even say, I'm, I'm going into ministry. But this passage calls us for a paradigm shift here because it, it really tells us that pastors aren't really the ones in the ministry. Church members are the ones in the ministry. You're the ones in the ministry. Pastors are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. These, these leaders are given to equip the church to do the ministry. Ministry is not just for elders or leaders or preachers, but the work of ministry is the work of all believers. The work of ministry is the work of every Christian. And how do pastors do this? How do pastors equip the saints? Well, the answer is in what Paul says. They're, they're shepherd teachers. They teach the word. Pastors equip the saints through teaching the word of God. I'll tell you, this is actually a relief to me because uh, I was thinking, okay, I need to equip the saints. How do I do that? I, I, I need to create a class, create a plan to equip the saints. No, no, just teach the word. Just teach the scriptures. That's what's going to equip the saints. Open the Bible and teach what it says. And, and so you see that the center of a church's ministry it's not, it's not centered on pastors. It's not centered on these men, but it's centered on what pastors do. It's centered on the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, which is how Christ equips the whole body for the work of ministry. He, is, he has given you spiritual gifts, and now he's going to equip you to use those gifts through the teaching of the Word of God by pastors and elders. This is Christ's plan. This is the center of ministry. Let me just illustrate it this way. If you know me at all, you know that I have very little experience with guns. Daniel, you know that very well. <laughs> a few years ago, we went to a friend's house, and we, we were going skeet shooting. That's what we call it, right? Skeet. Going skeet shooting. And someone entrusted me with a gun. In that moment, I was equipped with a very powerful weapon. But I needed more than a gun. Everyone else around me needed me to have more than a gun in that moment. I needed someone to tell me what to do with it. Really to show me, how do I hold this thing? Um, what, what, where do, how do I aim it? What, what, what do I do? How, how do I approach this? And a friend helped me, and they, and they equipped me to use that weapon. And I'll, I'll just say that, that I missed the first one, but I, I got like the next four or five skeet in a row. And uh, I retired that day on top of my game. <laughs> but this is essentially what... Paul's talking about here is, is we have been given gifts. We, uh, and, and, I mean, this, these, are, these are empowerments of the Holy Spirit. This, this, this is a, a big deal, significant thing, but we need to know what to do with these gifts. We need to know how to employ them, how to, how to operate, and, and this is what the preaching and teaching of the Word is all about. It, it, it equips us to use the gifts we've been given. It, it equips us to understand our gifts and to use them effectively for the right aims in the right way. And so, to apply this first point, the center of ministry, I just want to call you, church, to devote yourself to the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Devote yourself to the preaching and teaching of the Word. The, the, the book of Acts tells us that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the Scriptures. They devoted themselves to, to, to coming together and learning together from the Word. And we need to devote ourselves to this ways we do this, we, we should prioritize this time. We should prioritize the Sunday morning sermon. It's interesting, during the pandemic, all these sermons are going online, and, and I see you know, pastors just more and more just kind of preaching to the internet. 
You know, just, just, just to anyone who might hear this. This is for anybody. But that's not really what preaching is. Preaching is not just for anyone out there who might be listening. Preaching is shepherding. Preaching is preaching to a local body of believers. It's, it's taking the word of God and preaching specifically to the, the flock that God has brought together. Which means that these messages every Sunday are not just for anyone who might hear them. These, these messages are for you, members of Redeemer Church. And, and, and so... I want to call you to prioritize them, to listen to them, to take notes, to reflect, to discuss, to apply if you miss it, to, to go back and listen to it because that message was for you. To prioritize this time knowing that this is Christ's plan. Christ's plan is to equip you through the word of God. And this is why he's given pastor teachers. But not just the Sunday morning sermon. I also want to call you to prioritize the personal shepherding that's available through all the elders. Paul said in Acts 20 that he preached publicly and from house to house. So Paul had a public ministry. Everyone gathered, and he, he preached like this. But he also had a private ministry, a personal ministry in homes, speaking the word of God to people. Christ gave pastors for more than just a weekly sermon. Christ gave pastors to personally shepherd you with the word of God through your struggles with sin, through trials and suffering, through hard decisions, through relational conflicts. This passage tells you, church, that your pastors are Christ's gift to you. And as we have a plurality of elders, even to us pastors, the other pastors are gifts to us. Pastors are gifts from Christ to the church. And not, not because pastors are anything, but because in Christ's grace, he enables pastors to shepherd with the word of God. So Christ shepherds you through the ministry of your pastors. And so, yes, prioritize Sunday morning sermons, but also prioritize the shepherding that's available from the elders. Do this by seeking out your elders, opening your lives up to them, letting them shepherd you with the word of God as you navigate life. And understand this is part of Christ's plan to equip you for ministry. This is his plan. This is his gift. The center of ministry is the word of God. And Christ has given pastors and shepherds to teach the word of God so that you can be equipped for ministry. Second, the goal of ministry. The goal of ministry. What should we be aiming at as a church? Like what, what are we trying to accomplish week by week? I think most churches in our country and here in our area would say that the goal of a church's ministry is to reach the lost. And of course, there's some truth to that. I mean, this year's actual Vision Sunday sermon was from Matthew 28 on Christ's call for us to go and make disciples of all nations. Mission is one of our ministry pillars. But here's where we need to be careful and listen to the word of God. As right here in this passage, it clearly, directly speaks to this question. What is the goal of ministry? Look what he says. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. You see what he's saying? The goal of a church's ministry is not first and foremost to grow bigger, but to grow deeper. The goal of a church's ministry is to build up the body of Christ. And Paul tells us what we are building up the body toward. He says, the unity of the faith. The goal of ministry is to build up the church so that we all have a unified grasp of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know the faith and we cling to the faith 
together. So the goal of ministry is that we would have a, a clear, unified grasp of the gospel. Then, then he says the unity of knowing Christ, the knowledge of the Son of God. The goal of ministry is to build up the church, not only so we know gospel doctrine, but some, something deeper than that, something more personal than that, so that we would be unified in actually knowing Christ himself, in knowing Jesus. The goal of ministry is a church that knows Jesus deeply. A body of believers that, that, that knows Jesus well, that, that's, that's close to him, that's intimate with him. This, this is the goal of ministry, to build up the body towards that knowledge of Christ. Mature manhood, the goal of ministry is to build up the church to a point of spiritual maturity, to, to a point where we are stable and steadfast and persevering. And then he says, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul just loves to just stack words upon words to make his point. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The goal of ministry is to build up the church so that we, his body, look like our head. So that we reflect his character. So we live out his fullness. The goal of ministry is to build up the body toward Christ-likeness. This is the goal of ministry. A, a mature, Christ-like church that is unified in the faith, unified in knowing Christ deeply. And then in verse 14, Paul tells us that these goals, if we meet these goals, this is going to protect us. As we grow in grasping the gospel, grow in knowing Christ, grow in maturity, grow in Christ-likeness, then we won't be susceptible to false teaching and false gospels that could shipwreck us. Like he says that we mature, uh, are to build up into a mature man, but then he says that we would no longer be like children. So, so see that contrast, a mature man or children, naive, susceptible, weak children. And then he paints this vivid picture of being tossed to and fro by the waves and the wind. And he says that the waves and the wind, are, are, it's false teaching, it's false doctrine, it's, it's craftiness and deceitful schemes. He says this is what an immature church is like, a church that is susceptible to be deceived by false teachers and go astray. And I want you to see why this is so important to, to get the goal right here. Do you see why it's important that the goal of a church's ministry is, is, is growing deeper and not just growing bigger? I mean, how many churches out there, I've been a part of some, how many churches out there prioritize reaching more and more people with the gospel to such an extent that, that they just ignore building the church up? People come, filled with people, but they're not even preaching the gospel anymore. They have strayed from the gospel. The, the, the wind and the waves have pushed them away from Christ. You have a bunch of people that aren't even in Christ, that call themselves a church, but, but, but it's because they didn't go deeper. It's because they didn't mature. It's because they, they weren't built up in the faith. The biblical model is that we prioritize growing deeper into Christ. We prioritize maturity, and that equips us for growing larger through making actual disciples of Christ. So it's not that Christ is uninterested in growing his church numerically. The book of Acts shows the spread of the gospel and people being added to the church. And we see right here that Christ has given evangelists, right? People to go share the gospel. So, so yes, we should be preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel. But why do we do what we do? What, why, why do we minister to each other? What is the goal as we come together? It's to build each other up. This time that we gather together, and the times that we gather together, these, these are times to build each other up in the faith, in maturity, so that we can be more like Christ and know Christ better and more deeply. So it's going to be rich, and it's going to be deep. But through that, we're going to be a mature man. 
that reflects Christ to the world with the true gospel. As we think about this, and I think about application to this point, obviously an application would be to, to, to take on this mindset, but, but as we do that, just when you consider these goals, we should immediately recognize how insufficient we are for this. Right? I mean, this, here's, here's the goal, church, is to, is to be like Jesus as a body. Here's the goal, to know him deeply. Here's, here's the goal, to have him be, be a mature, unified, spiritually mature body. And, and when we see those goals, we realize we're, we're so insufficient for that. And what it should do is it should drive us to pray to God for these things. So, so the first point, as, as the center of ministry is, is the preaching of the word, we should devote ourselves to the word. Now, I want to call you to devote yourself to prayer for these things. Like, th- this is our ministry. As a member of the church, this, this is the ministry Christ has given you. He, he has gifted you to pursue these things. He equips you to pursue these things. He's called you to pursue these things, but these things won't happen apart from prayer. We will not see these goals being met apart from prayer. But God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And so I want to call you to devote yourself to actually pray for these things. Pray consistently, regularly pray, God, build up the body of Redeemer Church. God, make us more mature. God, make us more like Christ, please. Pray that way. I'm reading a book right now. The elders are reading this book called Prayer, How Praying Together Shapes the Church. It's on corporate prayer. And I want to read something that the author says. His name is John O. I'm not going to say his last name because I can't, but John O. Let's just listen to what he says. He says, I've pastored two churches over the past decade. I've been involved with networks, organizations, seminaries, collectives, other groups of Christians. I've sat with visionary leaders who have churches filled with great systems. I've also sat with leaders who aren't visionary and who have churches with poor systems. I've done ministry with gifted individuals, people with average gifts, and people with very little gifting or proficiency at all. I've partnered with attractional churches, missional churches, mega churches, medium churches, and meager churches. Throughout my experience, I've learned that these distinctions aren't the most important. They're peripheral and secondary. And listen, if I had to draw a line to create two categories of churches, it wouldn't follow these distinctions. I've learned to see churches as those that pray and those that don't. A church's commitment to prayer is one of the greatest determiners of its effectiveness in ministry. Two kinds of churches, churches that pray and churches that don't pray. Take everything else out of the equation. Does your church pray? If the church is praying, God is delighted in that, and God answers those persevering prayers. And so as we want to pursue these goals, we need to be praying to the God who can do it. We need to be disciplined to ask him to do these things. Devote yourself to prayer. I I, I would say this one to pause here before we get to the final point. As we look at these first two applications of devoting yourself to the word and to prayer, I would say if someone comes into the church from the outside and they see Redeemer Church, they're going to say that their church takes the word seriously. They do Bible studies. They, they, they pre- preach somewhat longer sermons than I'm used to. That, that, church, that church wants to hear the word. But, but what my prayer is, and, and what I pray that we can move toward together, is that someone will come and say, man, they take the word and prayer seriously. As devoted to prayer as we are to the word. 
as marked by our praying as we are by our preaching and our hearing. That's going to be an effective ministry. And so let's devote ourselves to prayer that God would build us up. And finally, the work of ministry. Talked about the center of ministry being the preaching and teaching of the word. The goal is to build up the body. But what do we actually do? What is the work that God has called us to? What are we actually called to do? And we see this in verses 15 and 16. He says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, the work of ministry is not complex. It's not difficult to understand. It does not take a think tank to figure out what the ministry of a church should be. It consists of two things, speaking the truth in love and serving one another in love. That's the work of ministry. That's what you are called to do. Speak the truth in love, serve one another in love. It's that simple. Speak the truth in love. You know, growing up, I heard this uh, instruction, and, and I had no idea what the context was, and I just thought that it was an instruction for how to confront somebody when they're in sin. You know, make sure you speak the truth in love to them. That's a good instruction for that moment, for sure, but that is, that is very narrowly taking this, this instruction and, and taking it out of what the bigger context is, which is the context is to, to speak the gospel truth, to speak the, the truth of the gospel in love to each other in all of life. Look, he says, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. When Paul says speak the truth, he's talking about the gospel, and he says that we're to speak the truth of the gospel into each other's lives in every way. And as we do that, we're going to grow up into our head. I get this kind of funny picture of this, this, this nice, full-grown, mature head and this, this like weak, immature body. <laughs> That's us. And he's saying we're, we're to grow up into our head so that, so that, that we're proportional with who Christ is. How, do, how does that can happen? By speaking the truth in love. And listen, this is, again, this is a ministry for every single one of us. Every one of us is called to speak the truth in love to one another. We are all called to counsel each other with the gospel. We are all called to encourage and build each other up with the scriptures. We are all called to take the word of God that we receive through preaching and teaching, and then we speak it back to each other. And we do this in, in places like discipleship groups and in home groups and in counseling, but, but really just, just in life, in personal conversations, in phone calls. At, this is what we do. We speak the truth of the gospel in love into every situation that we face in our lives. So that in every way, so that in every way we can grow up into Christ. You know, we, we, have, we tend to think that there are areas of life that are out of bounds to the gospel or that the gospel doesn't touch. But that's not what he says. He says that, that, that the gospel is for all of life. And we speak the truth of the gospel into all of life so that in every way we grow up into Christ. And so this is our ministry. This, this is what we are called. This is the work we're called to. Speak the truth of the gospel in love to each other. And then second, serve one another in love. Verse 16 kind of takes us back to where the passage began. He says from, that the head is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so again, we are all called to speak the truth in love, but we all have a unique part to play as well. 
Each part of the body must be working properly. We are not all an eye. We are not all the, an ear. We are not all hand. We are, we are a body composed of different parts, and each part must be working properly for the body to grow. See, see what he's doing there? He's, the body's growing as we feed the truth in love, and the body's growing as each part is working properly. So let me just ask you again, what gift have you been given? Do you know your gift? Are you using your gift? Are you cultivating your gift? Are you, are, are you working properly in this body? Would you look at your life and look at your gifts and look at your ministry and say, I, I am doing the part that God has given me to give in serving this church. Do the work of ministry by serving the body with your gifts in love. It's not complicated. Ministry is not complicated. We serve each other and we speak the truth of the gospel to each other. And we do it all in love. It says it two times. We speak the truth in love, and the body builds itself up in love. And so to apply this, just want to call you, church, to, let's not just be devoted to the word, and not just devoted to prayer, but let's be devoted to each other. Devoted to one another. Devoted to loving one another. This, this ministry, true effective ministry, hinges on love. It's nothing if we don't love each other. It's all for nothing if we don't love each other. It is love that will drive us to speak the truth of the gospel to each other. It is love that will fuel us to serve each other. And at the same time, we know that we do not naturally do this. We, we don't naturally love each other. We don't move toward each other naturally, but we need to go back to the source. We love because he first loved us. If we're going to have an effective ministry as a church, we need to be constantly drinking from the wells of Christ's love. Just just constantly going back to Christ, constantly drinking from his love, just meditating on his love, letting his love fill us and control us and spur us on toward one another. And what we're going to experience as we go towards each other is other people spurring us back on toward Christ's love. And God will make himself known in the body this way. So devote yourself to loving one another with the love of Christ. This is the vision that Christ gives us for ministry. It's not complicated. We center ourselves on the preaching and teaching ministry of the word of God. We understand that our goal is to go deeper into Christ, to be more like Christ, to be mature in him so that we can represent him in this world well. And we do that by speaking the truth and love to each other and serving each other. I want to draw our attention to one more thing he says in verse 13. He says, we, we, we equip the saints of the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to these things. Until we all attain to these things. So, so ministry will continue like this until we reach our goal. You know, some of you this morning have been part of this church since it was first planted. Some of you have been here from very early on. Some of you have joined more recently. And one of the benefits of, of church planning, if you were here at the beginning, is that there's this real sense of purpose. There's this real sense of excitement. This real sense of we are going to accomplish something. But over time, one of the drawbacks of church planning is that you begin to feel some kind of discouraged in that. And, and, and you wonder, have we accomplished it? Are we going to accomplish it? And, and there's just this, there's this thing in us that wants to arrive. We, we want to know that we've, we've gotten where we wanted to go. And we're discouraged. We feel like we've not arrived yet. 
But here's the thing. Paul says that we're to pursue these goals of ministry until we attain to them. But what are the goals? The goal is knowing Christ. The goal is, is mature manhood. The goal is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Are we ever going to attain to those goals in this life? No. We're not going to arrive ever at this. Let me a day where we say, ministry's done. We did it. We've arrived. No, that's, that's not going to happen until Christ returns. But it doesn't mean we don't pursue them. No, we, we pursue these goals with perseverance until he comes and he perfects these things in us. The goal of ministry is to build up the body of Christ, and we do that by centering ourselves in the word and then speaking that word to each other and serving each other. And this is a ministry that we must persevere in for the rest of our lives. So this is, this is Christ's ministry that he is giving you, church, to build up the body, using your gifts, speaking the truth in love. I just want to call you this morning to own this ministry. Like, this is your ministry. This People ask me, what's, what's my ministry as a pastor? My ministry is a pastor of Redeemer Church. But what is your ministry? Your, your ministry is to build up the body of Redeemer Church. Own that. Christ has called you to that. He has gifted you for this. If you are his, and if you love him, and are thankful for his salvation, and his death, and his resurrection, and you've given your life to be his disciple, then hear him calling you to make this your ministry, and follow him, and embrace it, and persevere in it, and don't be discouraged that we have not arrived, because we never will, but one day, he will come and he'll complete the work. He will complete the work of ministry in us, and we get to pursue it the rest of our lives for his glory with joy. So I want to call you, church, to own and embrace the ministry Christ has given us, knowing that his plan right now is in the church. His plan is to show in the church, show the world, the glory of the gospel as we reflect his fullness now so that one day when he comes back, more and more people can be part of his kingdom on that day. We get to display it now together as a body. And so let's, let's give ourselves to this. Let's devote ourselves to the word and to prayer and to one another for the sake of Christ, our head.